Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 278 for September 8th, 2019. Today's guest is comedian Chloe Kozer, who coached me on pronouncing her last name, and I'm so scared I'm doing it wrong again. If I am, I'm sorry. You'll hear it pronounced correctly when I introduce her later. I am your host, Michael Heron. I'm your composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 14 years. Hello. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know about me and my work, Stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron or email me, mikeypod at gmail.com. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to get this into your ears. I, oh my God. (laughs) Chloe and I connected on so much stuff. I hope Chloe felt connected about this whole thing. Wouldn't that be extremely awkward if everyone listens and like, wait a minute. Uh, So I got a show coming up. Uh, Judson Memorial Church, September 11th. I've got special guests. I'm going to do some covers. I'm doing a whole brand new piece um, called I Started Dreaming Again. And uh, if you're not familiar with my work already, I do storytelling and electronics and songs and string quartets, although there won't be any strings at this show. Um, So I do this sort of variety of things that are put together, and I really enjoy doing them, and people seem to like them. Uh, You can check it all out, michaelherron.com. I have a couple books based on my solo shows, Tentative Armor and The Animal Show, and now I'm doing a big commercial for myself, which wasn't my intent. Uh, But do come to the show September 11th at... Judson Memorial Church, if you're in New York City, it's 55 Washington Square South. Um, my friends Amy Iris Brown, Tony Banks, Kirsten Marilyn, and now Lauren Mall is joining me to sing a duet. Um, yeah, and there will be food. So here's the deal. It's the $10 suggested donation, which goes directly to Judson Arts. Uh, they put on they put a lot of art stuff together. They're very supportive of artists. I wouldn't be doing any of the things that I do without them, that without them just saying yes to me over and over again. Uh, so I, I'm very, I feel very excited about doing that. One of the things that happens at these Wednesday night shows, Judson Arts Wednesdays, is that they provide food. Um, so that, uh, partly so that people who want food or need food can come and it's not just a soup kitchen type thing. It's a performance and here's some food. And so there's a $10 suggested donation. No one is turned away. If you want to come and you don't have $10 or even $1, just come. And really it's like, no one's really asking you. There's things set there. You can put your money in, um, but you don't have to. I feel super, super excited about this. So I'm doing this show. Uh, people can come for free. People can pay 10 bucks. People can pay a little more if they want to or a little less. And there's going to be food. And it's I'm trying out new stuff. I'm bringing some artists on board who I think you will like. And I'm really excited about it. It's a regular thing. And yay. I'll put a link on MikeyPod.com for more information. Not that I think there's any more information than I just said. Uh, if you're a patron, definitely check out the bonus episode that's going to be coming up with chloe i I can't i'm so excited about this interview um and yeah so i should just get to it um zines if uh patrons you're waiting on zines they're coming i swear end of summer all of my students so many so much poverty i shouldn't say poverty i am not very fluid with cash (laughs) for a couple months in the summer so i'm getting caught up your zines have not been forgotten they are on the way and I think that's everything. If you're not yet a patron, stop by patreon.com slash Michael Heron where you can get zines that are sometimes pretty late. Um, bonus podcasts, uh, books. What else? Music. All my music is available for download. I do special 
special stuff. Go check it out. Let me know if you have questions. MikeyPod at gmail.com. I think that's everything. Let's get on to some music. Ray Spoon is a phenomenal artist who's been on the show before, and I play their music a lot. Um, They have just released their 10th studio album, which I didn't write the name down for, but I do know the name of this song, which I love. Oh, the album's called Mental Health. And um, if you like this, and you probably will, you should definitely check out Ray's music. Um, They are amazing and so prolific, like always releasing albums, it seems. And they're always solid. So this is a track from Ray Spoon's latest album, Mental Health, and it's called Again and Again and Again. And after that, we'll have our interview. I go across the bridge Trying to feel complete The void is always there Calling, calling Do it, do it, do it, I won't tell anybody Do it, do it, do it, I won't tell anybody on the podcast is chloe kozer she is a comedian and i just watched her one woman show never a boy which makes me so happy i'm so happy to talk to you chloe welcome to the show 
Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad you enjoyed the show. Oh, it was great. And I just want to throw out, like, uh, you you all sent me a video of the show that I just watched it this morning because I wanted to watch it before um, I talked to you. And I'm so glad I did. I really loved the show. Can you tell us a little bit, uh, just maybe a nutshell version of what the show is? Well, it's, it's about what it's been like to come out as a... Uh, as a woman in my mid thirties while being like an active comedian. And it's kind of a uh, half like intimate, like emotionally raw s- storytelling and then half incredibly silly, incredibly lewd characters. Um, like, I feel like the show is like, a, like kind of a series of, of tonal whiplashes and well, in a way that I like. It was fun watching it because it starts out with you as this really like boisterous, lewd character, and then suddenly it's you, and it's this intimate moment. And it was, you know, it is maybe I don't know if jarring is a white world word, surprising, but in a way that makes the intimate sections feel so much more uh, valuable somehow. Is that part of what your goal was with that? Uh yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, my uh, I love comedy as an as an art form i think it is uh i think it is very well equipped towards connecting with the audience like i I don't feel like you can you can't get an audience to laugh if they hate you like they have to like you and if they like you then they can more easily um understand you and my favorite mechanic in comedy like whenever i've i saw comedians do it when i was growing up i just loved it is the the hard pivot from comedy to intimacy and then from intimacy back to comedy because i feel like the comedy opens people up to intimacy the intimacy opens people up to comedy yeah um it's beautiful that's sort of yeah i i'm a musician turned storyteller performer so when i see people like you who are uh, I'm trying not to be self-deprecating <laughs> who are more seasoned, but more experienced with doing this type of thing. I'm like, ah, that's the thing that I'm trying to do. And it's really cool to see your um, skill at kind of taking the audience with you in a lot of different places. It's really, it was so good. I'm so glad, you know, those moments when you're like, okay, I'm going to watch this. I hope it's good. Yay. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. That's all. That's always a terrifying moment on. Um, I, it, it's why if I, I am having a date come to one of my shows, I don't have them come to improv. Because uh. that's either way. Um, but like, I'll have them come to something pre-written. Ideally, ideally my one-on-one show, because I'm confident in that one. Yeah. I was wondering about some of the intimate moments in the show. It seemed like those might not have been scripted. Like, did you did you go into those segments just knowing what you were going to, the, the story you were going to tell and let it come out the way it it would yeah um to to a decent extent it's it's a little different every time i I actually don't come from an acting background um or or really a writing background i don't really come from a background (laughs) uh but i started i started uh taking improv classes six years ago so all of my acting experience of which i have a great a great deal over the last three four years i've probably been in 50 plus like unique half hour stage sketch shows like uh uh, so i have a lot of experience but i don't have a lot of training so i don't i don't exactly get word perfect off book uh uh, because i 
I just don't I don't like doing it. <laughs> so the words so the words shift and like I let sort of how I'm how I'm feeling take over in those more emotional parts. Like it's they're generally pretty similar, but a lot of it depends on how it affects me on the day. Yeah, it's it's lovely. It's uh, I mean, it, I, I like that feel of those things, especially I mean, it helps with the shift to me to make it more sort of pronounced like the like there are definite spots where you're a character and then these definite spots where it feels just so intimate. I'll stop. I'll stop complimenting that part of the show at this point. <laughs> All right with it. <laughs> Keep it coming. Uh, so I was going to ask if you were performing before you came out, but it sounds like you were. I was. Um, I started comedy when I turned 30, and I came out when I was just about 33. And at that point, I was a uh, a pretty established performer on like the sketch and improv circuit in the city. I, I was already on a house sketch team at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which is like kind of the place to do sketch and improv on the East Coast. Um, so like, I had a lot of visibility and presence and like voice on the scene. Um, and then everything changed drastically because I was very repressed. It wasn't like a lot of hiding myself from other people was a lot of hiding me from myself. So when, when I came out, I had no idea what that meant. I, I was so repressed that when I came out to my wife, uh, she said, you told me a year ago and I didn't remember it until she told me, Oh, we're, we're polyamorous. By okay. The way. Yeah. Cause I was talking about dating and yeah, my wife and my wife is great. I love it. I feel because I've seen the show now I'm like, Oh yeah, I know. But uh, people are listening who may not know that. So <laughs> Thanks for yeah. throwing that in. <laughs> uh, so one of the things I think about is comedy is like traditionally and notoriously like a quote unquote, like boys club in a way. What's what, how did that affect or did it your um, decision to come out or your ability to make that decision? Well, my, I go over it a little bit in the show, but my, my decision to come out kind of didn't, it wasn't, super influenced by the thought of consequences mm -hmm. um because the, the the place where i was at it was like oh if i don't come out i'm going to die like i will not last any longer um i've struggled with suicidal ideation my whole life and it was at a place where it's like oh i'm actively in severe danger right now i don't know if i can do another week of this so it's there's a bullet coming at me and I can either step out of the way or not. And so I and so I stepped. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was I, I had no idea if my life would be good or not. I didn't think it would be. Uh, and I really sequestered myself from from queer culture, I think, is a large part of hiding from myself. So I had no I didn't meet an out trans woman until after I came out. Mm. It's like you knew that the you had two choices. One was unknown coming out and whether or not your life was good or would be good didn't really matter, I guess. It sounds like you because you knew your life was definitely not going to be good if you didn't come out or it may not even continue. Yeah, that was that was those were the two options that I felt like I was choosing between. And it was just like, well, I and not to go so super dark so early in the no, interview. No, do it. But, 
but it, it really it really came because in my in my darkest depressions and my my family is riddled with severe depression um i come by it very honestly uh but i'd only been at a place like that once before and it was on because it's it's insanity to -hmm. be there like like for people who haven't experienced it i don't know how to describe it except that it like you're not the same person it's like I feel like it's like being like mind controlled. It's, uh, it's madness. And I was like at the place where, well, I, I understood and I believed a hundred percent that if I died, my wife would have a better life, Hmm. but I was scared. She wouldn't know that I was scared that she would feel like it was her fault and it would fuck up her life. And so it was like, well, fuck everybody else, but I can't do that to her. The show there, I feel like I'm some like I I hate saying things like this. I there are people in my life who are transgender, and I feel like that I'm someone that sort of that gets it. But then when I watched your show, I was like, oh nope, still don't get it, and I get it more now. You know, which I I guess that's a good a good question. Is that part of your your goal to educate people? Uh, yeah. In 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 part. I don't like the burden of education and I, and I do a lot of education, but I don't like that. I have to, it's frustrating. The show has a vocabulary lesson in it mm-hmm. because there has to be, I don't love that, but, but yeah, I, I want people to understand the show. I want to be understood. I mean, that, that's always been a big part of art for me. And I think is a big part of art for most people is I want to feel understood. And in doing so, I want to understand myself Um, and since I didn't want this to be a show that was all like trans inside baseball, Uh um, I wanted to, I I wanted to pull people in. And actually I have, uh, I have two directors, uh, they're old friends of mine, writing partners, both genius comedians and musicians. Uh, their names are Max Ash and Rob Tansham. Uh, and they're both cis straight white guys. Oh, wow. we've always gotten along very well comedically and I ended up, I ended up going with them because I wrote a, what I think is a very upsetting piece. It's not, it's not in the show. It's something I'm still kind of working on, but I sent it to a couple cis women, a couple trans women, and they wanted to change what I was saying because it's a pretty messed up piece. And then I sent it to Max and he was like, well, here's how you say it better. And that's Mm. all I want because I know what I want to say. Yeah. Um, and the huge benefit, one of the huge benefits to having them, aside from the fact that like where we all get each other, um, is that they're not super educated. So they would they would be like, I don't understand this part. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to explain it better. Ah, uh, yeah. I, there's a, a character in the show, and I, I'm hoping I understood this correctly, that you talk about doing this, this part of the show and performing this character is actually somewhat triggering to you. Um, but you also love performing the character. I'm, cu- I'm just curious about what that's like, like that conflict. It's, it's a, com- it's a complicated thing because I have, I have a uh, bad dysphoria around fertility and I have a character that deals a lot with fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, and hmm, there are a couple, there are a couple parts, there are a couple lines of the character 
that I struggle with, but I think they're so funny. <laughs> I, I also think, I do think that that character is empirically the funniest part of the show. I think she is empirically the funniest thing I've ever written. And I love performing her. She was one of those things that I made her in like one sitting, like I've worked on the show for so long, but she's remained almost wholly untouched. I've like removed two lines from her to make her tighter. Whereas all the other characters like have been through 30 plus drafts. She's probably sitting squarely on like draft five. Oh, wow. I, I, I think I, I personally don't have trouble throwing myself into that because I don't mind hurting on stage. Like I find it liberating. Like mm-hmm. I, I like crying on stage, like to, to be in a place where I'm legitimately moved to cry, um, which the show used to do to me. Uh, um, specifically, there are bits about genital dysphoria, and before I had my surgery, those were oh, that was like that was that was like just reaching inside an open wound and like moving shrapnel around. Um, but I I would find it liberating, and and my show has made people cry and I, and I want that. Mm-hmm. I want that response. I want people to feel things. I want to make people feel things because I'm a tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that experience with my work too, where I, there's something about telling these really painful stories that feels really like, I don't know if joyful is the right word, but somehow Right. For me, it's, it's like a feeling of mastery of it. Like I, I'm sort of compulsively open. Um, like on on social media, I'm very open about my private life, and and I've I've had a lot of people be like, "Wow, it's it's." I think it's so awesome that you choose to do that. It's like, oh, it's it's not a choice. I just kind of have to do that. <laughs> if I if I put things out there, then they can't be shameful. If I put things out there, then they can't mm. be that bad. Um, and in my life. I've had a tendency to suppress things. So if I put them out there, I can't deny them. Uh, which does a lot to make me feel safe. Yeah. Uh, oh my God, This I knew this was going to be a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's talk about a little bit about creativity because that's one of the things that I really love like getting into with other people because I have this a similar background to you that I was I'm a pianist like I studied piano in college and all that stuff and then I just always wanted to perform so I just started doing it so I don't have I, I have that similar sort of path that you were talking about where you're like oh I don't have a background in this stuff I just do it um, yeah it do you have um, like are there, I always call them my inner naysaying demons that like thrive like they go right for that like you don't know what you're doing you're not an actor you're not a writer (laughs) do you have those and do you have how do you how do you cope with them um i i absolutely do uh my my depression generally in my life has presented as paralysis like as Mm -hmm. an inability to do things things i was good at things i i liked i i started college uh majoring in math and computer science and ended eight years later with an english degree um and I'm good at school. Like, uh, like my family is, I just got like a good mind for tests and like memorization and I enjoy it, but I just like, couldn't 
uh, do it. Comedy was the first thing that I did that was like, well, I love this so much that I am compelled to do it. Hmm. Um, but I, so it's funny. I, 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 I don't as much have a, a crisis of identity around like I'm not a comedian. I'm not an actor. What I get around is like I am incapable of doing this. I feel like there is something so profoundly broken in me that I can't keep doing this. Because um, I tend to like emotionally turtle and creatively turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get frustrated because when I'm productive, I will write and create so much in the span of a few hours. But then I won't do that again for months. And not out of like a lack of ideas, but because I find it so frightening and painful to engage with the act of creation. Um, and I, I've been at a bit of an impasse with this for a while. And I, I, I sort of really consciously realized it like six weeks ago um, that I, I need to like refine the, the fun. Like, cause after I got my run at the, at the UCB theater, um, which I spent a lot of time and work getting, getting the show a, uh, run there. Uh, I was kind of like, well, what, what do I do now? And the, uh, uh, the, the writer, uh, Jorge Luis Borges, he's one of the fathers of, of postmodernism. And I just, and then in love, I'm paraphrasing a quote from him, but he's like, I write for about eight people. And if anybody else reads it besides those specific eight people, cool. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get back to like, I'm just going to make things that I know they will make these certain people laugh. And like, that will be fun. It will be fun to make things for that reason and no other reason. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I, so I relate with so much about what you're saying and that has been, you know, getting back to just making the things instead of work. Like I, I get really trapped in like, is it good? Is it, you know, am I, is it valuable? Does it matter? Why would I do this if I'm not making money doing like all those like crazy things when really like it's a joyful, beautiful thing to <laughs> make something that someone laughs at or someone, someone likes. Yeah. Um, there's a great, it's like a two minute video that I, I have anyone I coach or direct or teach watch, and then I, I, I recommend it to everybody. But there's like this two-minute Ira Glass video on the creative <gasps> process. I, and I know it, but go ahead. You know it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for anyone listening, the, the thesis is, is that you start creating art because you have good taste. But when you start creating, your skill cannot satisfy your taste. And the only way to bridge that gap is to create a lot and for a long time. And that that's hard. Yeah, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. When I ran across that, it's a good thing to remember. Yeah. yeah. So you were talking, let's go back a little bit to where you were talking about making the choice to come out and you didn't know um, what your life would be like. In the show, you talk about loving your life. Tell me about that. Well, be- before, and, and I, I was so blocked off, I, I just... I fundamentally understood that I didn't deserve to be happy, that something about me was wrong and bad and that like I, I didn't deserve 
happiness. Um, and I, I also didn't feel like I had an identity. Like I, I sort of shut down if other people weren't around, like I'd, I'd lose all affect and sort of move and speak and think neutrally if I wasn't being observed. Cause like I didn't, I didn't have, I, I had to spend so much energy suppressing who I actually was. And then when I understood who I actually was, it was like, Oh, I like this person. This is a real person and, and people deserve good things. So n now I, I fundamentally believe I deserve to be happy and I do fundamentally like myself. I mean, I, I still, of course, like deal with self loathing and depression. Um, it's definitely a lot easier now and I, and I will say, I, I feel like I experience more sharp pain now than I did before I came out because there's, I'm so much more vulnerable. I'm so, so incredibly much more vulnerable. Uh, like on, on every conceivable level of vulnerability before my life was bad. And now my life is good, even though it is far more challenging and impossibly more complicated. Uh, I love these when the conversations when I'm just like, uh, I don't know what to say to that just because there's a lot to think about. And it's really, and I'm also relating to a lot of, of things that, that you're saying. So, ah, uh, so good. Uh, I hate to do it, but we have come to the end of our time for this interview. Um, oh, wow. That was fast. <laughs> yeah. But um, we're going to talk a little bit more for a bonus podcast for my patrons, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Um, and I want to take a second to make sure people know where to find you online. So yes. tell us about that. Um, well, the biggest thing I want to plug is my one woman show, Never a Boy, which is currently running at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Hell's Kitchen, uh, Manhattan, going up twice a month and should for about the next seven to nine months. I ah. I'm going to continue doing it after that uh, run ends. Online, um, oh, what I'm at Chloe Kozer, K-O-S-E-R on Twitter. Uh, I think I'm Chloe P. Kozer on Instagram, Chloe Kozer on Facebook, and I periodically stream uh, video games on uh, my Twitch channel of Clobering Time, which is clobbering time, but with an H after the C. Uh, amazing. I love finding people. I'm not on Twitch, but I just, for some reason, it keeps coming across my my radar and it's, it's the most surprising people show up there doing video games. Like, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's a, an age thing, but I, I just don't get it. I don't get what they're doing on there. I, I grew up watching like my dad and friends play video games. We'd watch each other. And I think it's very comfortable. Oh, I love it. Um, amazing. So those of you that are listening, if you're not near a pen or didn't want to take notes, you can just go to MikeyPod.com and in the show notes for this episode, I'll have links to all of Chloe's social media and uh, where you can find tickets to uh, her show. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. When my
That was Natalie Joachim, and I think I just nailed that pronunciation of her name. Hopefully, I'm trying to nail down an interview with her. She's got a brand new album out on New Amsterdam Records, and I think we've got it scheduled. I thought it'd be fun to play uh, this track. I have a lot of learning to do about the pronunciation of the tracks on the song, and I'm not ashamed to say it. So uh, look forward to that interview coming soon. That's really all we've got today. Next week is going to be a super packed week for me, so I think I'm going to skip a week and then be right back on track with a new podcast for you guys. I am so grateful to you for listening. I'm grateful to my guest, Chloe. And um, if you're a patron, be sure to check out the Patreon page or my website, uh, MikeyPod.com, for your bonus extended interview with Chloe. We dove a little deeper with some of the things we talked about here, and those are always like such great interviews to share. So um, if you're not already a patron, you can go to Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Subscribe for uh, two bucks a month, five dollars a month. Uh, if I remember correctly, everyone, all patrons get the bonus podcast and five dollars and up you start getting stuff mailed to you and all different kind of stuff so if you have questions about that or whatever else uh, be sure to reach out to me mikeypod at gmail.com if you enjoy the podcast tell a friend post it on your social media leave a review on wherever you listen to it and um you're wonderful <laughs> thanks for listening and i feel really happy doing this podcast again so um enjoy and i'll talk to you soon <laughs>